This is the Edge of Innovation, Hacking the Future of Business. I'm your host, Paul Parisi. And I'm Jacob Young. On the Edge of Innovation, we talk about the intersection between technology and business, what's going on in technology, and what's possible for business. Hello, my name is Paul Parisi, and I'm here with Taylor Robinson, the president of PLG Consulting. Hi, Taylor. Good afternoon, Paul. So... What else do you cover in logistics? I mean, is it just, is that, I don't want to say just what you do, or is that one segment of what you do at PLG, or is, is it, are there other things? Yeah, that, that would be one-third of what we do. Okay. One-third is we help people improve their logistics. Okay. So we, we bring experts that have been in those industries for 30 to 40 years uh-huh. come in and quickly solve their problems. What kind of problems do they have? Cost efficiency, waste, poor pricing on their their services that they buy. So we're helping them get better. And you'd call them, those are shippers. They're the ones that are are using, they're paying for the the freight, Mm -hmm. they're paying for the logistics and the handling. They need to lower that cost to be competitive. And how far can you go? Do they have to revisit this, or is it something that they do it once, and I do this in 2017, and I don't have to do it for another 20 years, or is it a constantly changing? It depends on the industry. Some of the industries don't change much, uh-huh. and we will occasionally find a client that we look over them very, very at a very deep level, and there's not a lot we can help. Because they've, been, they've done a good job. They've got great, a great team. They, they know how to do the right processes. They've got good technology. So, therefore, they're best in class. Right. But that's pretty rare because people haven't kept up. Right. Logistics is kind of sometimes a lower-tier job, or in, in the organization it's not as, as prestigious. So, therefore, it, it gets kind of put in the corner. So we can usually go in and help folks, again, with our, with our experience. And it also helps that we see multiple people in an industry we can take those learnings and apply them. Okay, that's a great point. And really look what's best in class versus this is the way we've always done right. it. Right, yeah. So rather than knowing just one way to do it, you've seen what works and what doesn't work across exactly. the industries. So that's really cool. So you don't have to make mistakes on me. Yeah. So now, all right, I'm somebody, I'm working in a big company that does this plastic stuff. I make the, the bags that wrap bread, let's say. Who am I? Am I a vice president, a CEO, or what do I do? Am I because I know that's only one tiny part of their job, or is it that that's all they do is worry about the logistics? Mostly, we we start out with the people that that have logistics folks on their team. Okay. Usually, it's a C level person that we find a way in. Sometimes we're brought in from the lo- from the the working team. They just can't find a solution. I see. And they get permission to go find us. But normally, they don't want us in there if they're if they're not a good player. Uh-huh. They don't want us to come in. Right. Well, okay. So there, there's a crisis that occurs. What manifests that crisis? Is it that we just can't compete on price, or I'm hearing rumors from? So I'm the CEO. Let's say, how is that crisis going to get to my desk? Is it that my competitors are beating me all the time, or is it that gee, I talked to Joe at that other company and they're getting it there for half the price? How does it actually occur? What manifests the the inflection point that makes me say we got to do something about this? Usually, something's changed. Okay. Leadership has changed. The industry is changing, and they can't keep up. They're no longer competitive. Dig into that a little bit. I can't keep up. What does that mean? 
that means our competitors getting the products there cheaper, faster. Okay, so they're, I'm, they're better. I'm losing out on so on sales. Yeah, yeah, is is going to buy from Joe because he got it there for ten dollars cheaper than me. Yeah, or maybe a day earlier than me. Exactly. Oh, interesting. So, yeah, and when I'm talking about not just one bag of flour, I'm talking about a trainload of flour right. that's been processed and turned into bread or something. Or, or there's a crisis, mm-hmm. as you said. The supply chain breaks, and they've made a mistake, and they're totally losing business. You know. So they, they didn't plan well. They they didn't, didn't plan. That yeah. They need a million loaves of bread on this day. Yeah. So it could be a planning issue. It okay. could be. A whole host of things that causes something to break and there's an emergency. So, well, let's go to that. So let's say there was a problem with the wheat crop, just to use something that isn't pretty identifiable by people. Wheat turns into bread. So would you have thought about it? Do you have contingency plans for if the wheat crop is bad? Do you have leading indicators saying, hey, you know, that that's not going to happen. It doesn't look like we're going to have a lot of wheat in the fall. Or do, do you just react? Well... Either way, you can, and and usually good logistics folks folks are good business people, and they're looking for those leading indicators, and they're staying up with the market. They're listening to their sales team, and and they're trying to gather data so that they can be proactive and and ready to go so that that crisis doesn't happen. Wow. So so it's it's a combination of our talents are as logistics professionals, but also with a business mindset. Sure. And therefore, we can not only help the shippers, we can also help the transportation providers that are on the other side of the table. Okay. So I'm a trucker. Or I own a fleet of trucks or trains. You can help me. But how? Because we understand that market, uh-huh. and we might be ahead of them and saying, you know, the trend is to have a smaller truck that can go faster, which is not true. But <laughs> um, but we help them with those market trends because we've got our eyes on the market. We've got our eyes on the logistics methods and okay. processes. And sometimes, you know, when you're doing something the same all the time, you're missing sure, those opportunities. You're not looking far enough ahead. You don't know the industry well enough that you're serving. So, again, we bring... As you think about it, the shipper, the transportation provider, or logistics provider, they're just on opposite sides of the table. Right. Okay. So if we can help one, we can help the other. I see. A lot more strategy work for the transportation provider, for example. We're not going to tell them how to, um, how to run their business, sure. but we might give them a direction that they ought to be heading towards this market or talking to this type of company or... What's what's the solution you're going to bring to them? So let me ask this. So sand, 20 years ago, probably wasn't in big demand like it is now. Right. So did somebody see that coming and say, oh, my gosh, we got to get a lot of trucks or trains ready for sand? Because, I mean, that sounds like, you know, we were at, let's assume we were at a steady state. So the, the trains were running with plastic and whatever they were filled with. Now, all of a sudden, we need sand for a completely new technology, effectively, yep. certainly at the consumption levels. Well, the trains are all full. You know, in other words, they only have so many trains, and they're delivering plastic already, and they're delivering whatever they deliver. So is that something that you guys would have helped predict, and was that something that you helped, you know, 
saw, or how how did the whole logistics community react to that huge need, sort of that inrush current? You know, like oh my gosh, there's a just a huge need all of a sudden. Yeah, it was a really interesting thing to be a part of because if you think about how much sand is moved on rail before fracking was it was really boring and and steady mm-hmm. you know it was moving sand to a casting shop sure. right. or it was it was moving sand to make fiberglass or okay. which are are decent volumes of sand but literally over the past i'd say 7 8 years the the volume of sand moved by rail has gone up you know 8 to 10 times but where did they get the trains so that type of product you have a locomotive, yeah. and whoever's going to move the sand, they have to buy the car or lease the car. So there were not enough of the small, what they're called small covered hoppers. Uh-huh. You have to have a small car because it's so heavy, mm-hmm. you, there's a limit. So the size of one of these small covered hoppers was perfect for sand, it used to be used for cement too. Okay. So those cars went from, again, building a thousand or two a year to building tens of thousands a year. Is that really? I mean, that's the magnitude? Yeah, yeah. They're producing them now, and so they're rushing to build these cars. Yeah, and and over the last seven or eight years, this frac sand world has had three ups and downs. Uh And every time the market isn't mature enough, all the different aspects that market are so immature that there's vast overbuilding and then shortages. And then because it moves so quickly compared to conventional vertical drilling that was very sleepy. The hydraulic fracturing came upon us very quickly. Uh And as people figured it out, they needed all these materials. And they need it now. And they they never had to move anything by rail. So they don't know how to order it or move it or get it there. So what did they do? I mean, they just like, they, I mean, I'm sure they're talking about millions of dollars worth of investments to do these new wells. So what did they do? I mean, how did they order it? And then they called the train company and they said, we don't have any cars. Yeah, well, that whole supply chain had to get set up because the sand was mined throughout the country for these other purposes, Mm -hmm. but nearly all the best quality sand was in Wisconsin and Illinois and Minnesota due to the geology. It was needed in Ohio, Texas, North Dakota. And were there good trains between those places? Not really. Not really. I mean, especially to, yeah, yeah, especially to North Dakota. The railroads built billions of dollars of investment to get, to get more capacity to move sand in and crude, crude out. So again, it was a, it just sent shockwaves through the the railroads Mm -hmm. because they had to improve their service. They had to go to places they weren't used to going to. And then you think about the shipping comp- the shippers, they had to go out and figure out, you know, how do you get one of these rail cars? Because right. an oil company didn't use anything in rail. Right. So that's how we, we started with a couple of oil and gas companies. They realized, we got to get good at rail. We don't know who to call. We don't know how to buy a car. We don't know how to schedule service. So yeah. we got to help a couple of folks early on figure it out for themselves they became experts, and we've moved on and helped many other folks since that. That's another way that we we help people is when they're new. Right. They just don't know. Working with railroads is quite unique. 
So we have railroaders on our team, and we have shippers on our team, so we know how to work with the railroads. Yeah, I'm, I'm just, as, as we talk about this, it's, you, know, you mentioned supply chain, and I've never really understood that. I've understood it at sort of maybe a micro level, that if I'm going to make cakes for people, I need to get salt and eggs and flour. And then I say, well, I'm going to be making one cake a week, so I want it delivered on Tuesday because I can bake it and deliver the cake on Thursday. But you're multiplying that by millions or tens of millions. So it's I don't need just a dozen eggs. I need a million eggs. And that, that's just something that I don't think about as I'm, I'm living my day is like the magnitude of this. And so so are there other things? So we talked about plastic and sand. What other? And it, is it just that? I mean, so bulk logistics, it's bulk, lots of stuff. Do you guys do anything else beyond just figure out how to optimally move stuff? and improve that and and i guess you know a small percentage change in that it's it calculates to lots of money <laughs> so yeah. there's huge benefit to having somebody come in and look at that because if they can save one percent it's still a lot of money yeah exactly and so those two aspects like i said we we've got folks from both sides of the table okay. shippers transport companies so we can help those folks all day long improve look in the right spot for business, et cetera, because of the wealth of talent. Right. And we're since we're out there helping people, right. we're 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 usually in pretty good position to know what where the trends are at. Yeah. So I mean that's really cool because now I can hire you and sort of know what all the best practices are out in the world. You know, it's sort of a a, a way to get intelligence out there that I wouldn't really know otherwise. But you know that if you do A, B, and C, it will work. If you do it B, C, and A, it won't work. Yeah, the other third of our business, and again, these are just rough orders of magnitude, are people that are investors. Okay. And they need to be smart very fast. Okay. So they want now you're to. You're not talking about like me with my IRA or my retirement fund. You're talking about commercial or, I guess, institutional investors? Correct. Big, big organizations that invest? Yeah, especially private equity. Okay. Private equity wants to put your money, somebody else, some wealthy individual's money to work very quickly right. with a high return. Right. So they want to find these trends as early as they can, make sure they're buying, a, they're, they're paying an appropriate amount for this company that they're buying or investing in and do it in an extremely fast manner. Okay. Uh, so they need to be, they need somebody that's an expert in one of these markets. Uh -huh. And as you've heard, a lot of these markets we deal in are very dependent on logistics. Okay. So, so, so do you provide advice about the logistics portion of that business or the whole business? Could be both. Really? Could be both because some of them logistics is the business. Okay. Say they want to buy a, a company that cleans out chemical tanks that are on the back of a tank truck. Okay. And we've got chemical industry veterans. We've yeah. got folks that have been in the service industry. We can quickly go in and assess how good of an investment that is. I see. So we, we also might help them with their strategy. Mm -hmm. Because we're so advanced in understanding the world, their sharp analyst might take a year or two I see. To, come up to, to get there, okay. and we can get in there in six weeks. I see. Well, that's a huge benefit. So... I'm an analyst in an investment firm, and I want to. I'm thinking about buying this type of company. I identify several of them, and I can come to you to say, "Give me the, the inside scoop on 
some of their costs and their expenses and even where it's going as you can project that. So, or how are they perceived in the marketplace? Oh, that's a good point. How efficient are they? What's their infrastructure look like compared to the competitor? All those different aspects, we can help them assess it very quickly. And as you can imagine, when, when a company is for sale, mm-hmm. they put together a wonderful marketing package that always has the same forecast. It's always going up. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, many times it's probably not going to happen. Right. And our folks can, can go through the assumptions and, and look at the market and say, boy, yeah, they, I think they can do it. Or you need to pay less because there's no way they're going to do that. I see. Well, that's cool because that's a, a, a different type of, I mean, every, everything else they're consuming is historical. You know, it's, it's looking at what they did last year. It's looking at how they did it maybe their competition last year, but it's nothing really looking forward or just an analyst sitting there saying, oh, I think they're going to do this much looking forward. Here's tactical right on the ground to say this is what's really happening. Yeah, they might consume a lot of forecasts, and they pay tens of thousands for those forecasts, Mm -hmm. but doesn't mean they're right. Right. Doesn't mean that they're, you know, directionally correct, or they might have a flaw in them that nobody else realizes. So now, again, you know, for the normal on-the-street person, this is a thriving business that has one aspect of the machine that is our economy. And you focus on making sure stuff gets there when it needs to get there at the most optimal way it can get there. So it seems like, I mean, it seems like a niche, but it's, it's integral to everything that happens. So if that, as you said, if that supply chain breaks down, there's huge ripple effects, I would imagine. Businesses can't deliver their products. People can't buy bread, and supermarkets can't stay in business. You know, if we don't have plastic for wrapping food, and so it's really cool to me to you know to be sitting here talking to somebody that focuses on this seemingly small, maybe even esoteric from the pedestrian, you know, just a normal person walking down the street. But this is so integrated into everything we do. And it's, it's sort of this, you know, part of this big machine that goes on that delivers all of the things that we're used to getting. Well, we've been talking with Taylor Robinson, president of PLG Consulting, experts in bulk logistics. And it's fascinating that there's this whole subculture, if you will, of the way things are moving. And it's part of the breadth of the country. It's fascinating. <laughs> The Edge of Innovation is brought to you in partnership with Savior Labs. Savior Labs exists to help businesses mature and strategize for the future. Learn more about Savior Labs at SaviorLabs.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Edge of Innovation, Hacking the Future of Business. For the show notes and more information about Paul, please visit paulparisi.com. The Edge of Innovation is produced by Jacob Young in conjunction with copious amounts of coffee. Music on today's episode was from bensound.com. Paul can be found on Twitter at pdparisi and on LinkedIn at linkedin.com slash pdparisi. This episode, like all our episodes, is transcribed and available at paulparisi.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.